Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel RNZ National. Catherine Robertson and Phil Taylor with me this afternoon. First up, say you bought a house last year for $1.2 million. The house market booming. You stretch your budget to the max just to try and get on the housing ladder, move forward to 2022, 2023, and your house could be just over a million. That's the reality. ANZ has increased its forecast for house price falls to a drop of 15% from 12% previously. And if you're thinking of listing, the numbers uh, it takes to sell a house these days is increasing also. With us is John Bolton, Managing Director at Squirrel. John, welcome. Hi. 15%. Now, that's the number. It must be said, though, they do come off a ridiculously high starting point, right? Yeah, they do. And and bear in mind that peak market was probably a very short period towards the back end of last year. You know, house prices increased by over 20% last year. So you've pretty much seen last year's house prices unwind or will unwind in this part of the cycle. So what is driving this house price fall or correction? Oh, look, there's a, there's a range of factors, right? But, you know, you can't, you can't escape increasing interest rates. So, you know... If you think back early, early last year, you had one-year fixed rates around two percent. Uh, at the moment, you've got one-year fixed rates around five and a quarter. So that's a that's a massive increase uh, in interest rates for you know for borrowers. Yeah. So, John, you've got what do you have? Negative net migration going to continue for a while yet. There's a bit of residential building going on right now, quite a lot, despite supply issues. Could all this place a limit to how much prices will lift when the market does bounce back? Yeah, look, I... uh I mean, it's an interesting one, right? I, I, don't, I don't know that the market kind of bounces back maybe how it has in the past. You know, we're, yeah. we've been in a falling rate environment for a very long period of time. This is the first time we've seen sort of sustained increase in interest rates for, for ages, right? Um, yeah, and, and look, fundamentally, there's a, there's, a, there's a massive correlation between interest rates and house asset prices generally, but let's just pick on house prices. So, um, you know, we've come off very low interest rates. Even if interest rates fell a bit from here, which they might do if New Zealand goes into recession, you know, you might end up with long-term interest rates around four to four and a half. Um, and, and that sort of says that, you know, you're going to get a 15% reduction, 10 to 15% reduction in house prices, you know, now over the next year or so. Um, house prices will stabilise and then they'll do what they always do, which is gradually increase again. Okay, yeah, Catherine. I was, yeah, because well, both my sons are now um, owners of houses, mm-hmm. and um, but I was, you know, you go on something like homes.co.nz and looking at what they paid for their houses and looking at what it was, as you say, at the end of last year, just going, that is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. So in a way, I am glad um, that the house prices are going down. I mean, it was an absolute, you know, I I think I'm ready for anything and I look at that and I'm horrified. Um, So I guess, though, you know, it is going to be affecting people, particularly first-home owners who bought at the end of last year. Um, So I hope that they have planned well for this and planned for the interest rates and plan to hang in there with their houses and not sort of, you know, hope to sell them for a profit in the next sort of year or so. 
Yeah, what of that, John? Because you've got, you know, recent buyers, the value of properties yeah. fall at the same time, interest costs rising. And hey, look at that mortgage we took out last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then you see this figure, 15% drop. A lot of people are very interested in this discussion right now, uh, John. Yeah, yeah, look, I think, I mean, um, yes. I've, I've seen a couple, I've seen a couple of situations already where Explain. people have gotten, well, um, you know, maybe their business isn't going as well this year as it was last year and they purchased their first home last year. The income was good. They're getting a bit more nervous about the market. Um, they're chucking it back on the market now, accepting that they're going to take a hit in terms of what they get back. You know, so I've got one client in particular at the moment will probably lose a hundred thousand, um, which was um, you know about two thirds of their deposit for a purchase that they made last year, simply because you know they're a business owner and, and their situation's changed and they have to sell in this market. That's that's not that common, you know. The, the reality is the economy's at full employment, um, and you know what we're seeing in the market is it's getting more frozen. People just aren't buying and selling. People aren't going about the things that they would normally do. You know, they're not upgrading. They're not downgrading. They're pretty much just sitting on the fence, and and that's our experience in this market is that people will just freeze. Uh, and sort of gradually warm up and come back into the market in the next year or two. Um, And that's why sales figures will will stay very low for for, for a while. Um, But look, anyone that's forced to sell into this market because they've had a change in circumstances, it's going to hurt if they purchased last year. If they purchased five or six years ago, hey, they're still sitting on massive capital gains. But if they purchased last year and they've had a change in circumstances, it's going to hurt. Phil Taylor. Yeah, definitely empathise with people that bought their first house in the last couple of months last year. Um, though, when you stand back and look at the generational inequalities that the house pricing situation is um, create has has creating uh, created, it, it's it's a bit of a relief to see the prices come down. To be honest, um, it, if you're if you're looking if, if if you're at that stage of life where you, you you want to settle down and, and start a family, and, and and we know the stats around home ownership and the positive outcomes that come from that. Um, it's pretty dispiriting um, at the moment trying to get that deposit together um, for for a house. So, but one thing um, I've just been surprised about is where all these people have been coming from that have that have been buying all these houses in the last four or five years. And John, even though we've got net net. Migration uh, are they are they going away? Are they still going to be there? Yeah, look, um, there, there, there's a real there's a real problem that we've got here, right? Which is that you know half our population is locked out of home ownership, or over half the population is locked out of home ownership. So it would be fair to say that you know um, those on lower incomes, there's just no way um, home ownerships you know, on the cards, um, even with, you know, the support of, you know, like the first home scheme that Kangaora runs, um, you know, you don't have the income and you can't demonstrate affordability, you simply can't buy. Um, but, you know, equally, there is a, there's a, a pretty reasonable sized portion of the market that can buy and do buy and have been buying, which is why you've seen so much first home buyer activity in the last couple of years. One of the things that you've seen is just a massive change in what people buy, right? So, 
I go back five or six years, well, 10 years ago, first home buyers were buying a standalone house in Avondale. So I'm in Auckland, so in, in a place like Avondale. And, and that's what affordability dictated to them. Now, affordability dictates first home buyer into a terrace townhouse. Yes. You know, so it's, it's, yes. it's the nature of what they're buying has changed. No, very interesting, isn't it, John? Uh, and I know that a lot of people, in, uh, particularly in Tomoki Makoto, Auckland, will be able to uh, resonate uh, with that. Uh, three home house in Avondale now, pretty much out of the reach of many, many people. Interesting, yeah. John, what you're also seeing, and this is really fascinating. Um, because I've never seen it before, and it's really bizarre to see in the Auckland market, <laughs> you're seeing actual prices sometimes listed beside the house rather than an auction. And I must say, it's quite refreshing to see a price. You know, it's like off to off to buy an ice cream or something, or albeit an extraordinarily expensive ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I like it as well. I'm not I'm not a big fan of auctions. Um, I, I'd much rather have prices on things. It's better for buyers. Yeah, um, I mean, look, the market's that that quiet and auction rooms just aren't clearing properties that you are seeing a lot more property with prices on it. No, look, I agree. I think it's refreshing. Um, the other thing that um, certainly you know, I'm encouraging a few of um, our clients do that are selling is actually getting registered valuations done and using those as part of the sales process. Oh, that's good advice there. Hey, John, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. That's John Bolton, the Managing Director at Squirrel. Uh, someone says a young couple who just bought a house across the road last year are already are trying to sell again because they do have trouble servicing the mortgage now. Both working, no particularly bad circumstances. But uh, I see that you both agree, and we've talked about house prices so long, haven't we, that uh, even though it may be a concern to some of this drop, uh, it's it's something that Catherine needed to happen. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and, and it to could continue, honestly, perhaps. yes, it could, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, as you say, fifteen percent is sounds like a lot, but when it comes off what a gain of about you know almost fifty percent during the pandemic, I mean, it's nothing really, is it? Uh, by the way, loving your uh, feedback regarding uh, the music venues that meant most to you because we discussed that after 4.30. Uh, the Dunedin Musos Club hosted the business, the UK subs. What? The Dickies, the subhumans, fantastic shows, uh, says Rog. 18 past for the panel, RNZ National. And yesterday we talked about what we need to be mindful of regarding house insurance with this intense weather around the country. And there's been property damage across the moor too, trees down, fences failing, plenty of leaks and the odd roof flapping. Many of us listening would have heard the winds wrap right around the house with some real force in the last uh, few days. So we thought we'd get in some help on the panel and we have the Roofing Association Chief Executive Graham Moore with us. Graham, uh, good to have you on the panel. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so let's talk that roof first because it is a bit of a fear, isn't it? Will that roof hold? What are the reasons the roof might give away? Well, there's several things that can happen. One, it's got to be all connected, as you can understand, as a structure, and it's all dependent on other parts as well as the roof itself. So the way it's fastened to the purlins, but also the way the purlins are fastened into the house. Now, with some of the older buildings, it's quite surprising they do stay there with the lack of um, <laughs> connections that they have, but they do manage to do it. And hence, you obviously get a bit of noise. 
obviously today under the building code we're, we're much more aware of how we connect uh, all of these things together to make sure they stay in the right place. Um, if you are hearing noises out there, the first thing I'd suggest is you get a, an expert in to have a look at it. Obviously a member of the Roofing Association would be where I'd start with that. Uh, I wouldn't be that keen on hopping up there myself if I'm yep. a homeowner. Good advice. Um, you know, unfortunately, while we have a DIY culture in New Zealand, DIYs have a habit of hitting the ground a bit more too, too often when they get up there at height. So yeah. be careful, please. Uh, great advice there, Graham. But but if you do, and I guess that's why I brought you on, because if you do happen to hear those warnings, those creaks, because it may well be, you know, those old school nails, they might, they might even be becoming loose. And you own a home or you're renting and you've never even thought about that before. Absolutely. As far as maintaining our houses in New Zealand, we're not great at it. Uh, my advice would be, you know, once a year, get an expert and just have a look, go across your roofs, you know, attend to the loose fixing that, you, that you're alluding to. Um, probably replace it before it leaks would be also my advice. Quite often we tend to wait until it leaks and then we, we do something about it. I'd, I'd rather be proactive in that space. Your insurance company's not going to get too excited if you let it leak for three or four months and then you decide to do something huh. about it, I can tell you. Catherine? Oh, I just, I mean, I'm from Wellington, so wind is a thing. Yeah. Um, I've never had a roof blow off, but we moved house um, and we had a big trampoline for the kids and it was in the front um, lawn. And uh, my husband saw it uh, just sort of lifting a bit. So he went to the garage to go and get some things to tie it down. When he came back, like a minute later, it had gone. And it flew, uh, yes, it snapped our wow. neighbour's heritage flagpole that flew over their garden it flew over an empty building site and it landed against the fence of our other neighbours unfortunately not over the fence and into their plate glass windows so we got to know oh quite a lot of our new neighbours over that particular <laughs> the uh, trampoline did not survive just letting you know <laughs> stay there graham phil yeah I, I love the energy from from the storm and the and the wind and and brings back memories of the listening to the roof creaking as the wellington gales hit the house but um, it, it also makes me think about the um, uh, uh, um, DIY culture there, and I somehow missed the DIY gene myself, but I am looking forward to a bit of calling in the building sector and being able to get a tradesman that will come around once a year and uh, do maintenance jobs. It's a, it's a, it's a plus. We we had one issue, Graham. Uh, we had water running down the inside of our clothes cupboard. I could, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was just oh. stunned and I was quite shocked. Uh, and we have a low lying roof, part part of the tin roof. Uh, part of that section is uh, corrugated iron, rather. So I was able to get on there, and I found that um, the plumbing was blocked with leaves, and that was it. So not everything is so simple. Nonetheless, good to start with the basics? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, have a look at your gutters, especially if you've got internal gutters on the house or you've got upstairs spouting that's discharging onto lower roofs and that sort of thing. It does point load uh, water and can cause leaks like you've just had there. Uh, certainly keeping your gutters clean. Is a very good place to start, uh, especially if you've got internal spouting, making or gutter, sorry, and making sure that the overflows are clean as well because they're there for a reason. So if the system can't cope, it overflows and then doesn't get into the house. 
All right. Before you go, uh, Graham, is there uh, is there any advice? Because this weather is uh, increasingly, isn't it? Uh, pretty gnarly. We've had some really big storms and uh, weather events, particularly in uh, the South Island, but not uh, but not only. Uh, what's some advice for us for our homes in the next few months? Certainly get somebody up there that's capable of being at height. And as I said, I recommend using a member of the Roofing Association, obviously. Make sure that the gutters are clean. If you've got trees and the like that are quite close to the house, maybe you need to consider trimming them back because they can obviously uh, uh, be damaged and land on the roof and cause damage. Plus the foliage will go off into the gutters as well. That will cause some blockages for you. But those are sorts of things you need to be looking at. Get somebody up there to assess the condition of the roof. So if you've got a roof that's probably 25, 30 years plus, you need to start thinking about replacing that roof or or putting some money aside because you've got some serious maintenance coming at some point in the future. Uh, It surprises me that people don't maintain or replace their roofs as often as they should. The price, Graham, that's why. Oh, my goodness me, the price of a new roof, the likes of you guys. God, boy, I tell you what. uh, I, I, I put it to you another way. You maintain your car regularly. Why don't we do, take a similar approach to our homes? Mm. So put the money aside so when the, the big bill comes, you've actually got it there, rather than going, oh, my goodness, look at that big bill, when if you'd actually be putting away for it, preparing yourself, it's a bit more palatable. Fair enough, Graham. Thanks for your time. That's uh, Graham Moore, the uh, Roofing Association Chief Executive. Uh, but that is true, isn't it, Catherine? Uh, the, those house bills can slam you, and they're not cheap, you know. Uh, what can I recall? A hot uh, water cylinder that cylinder, yeah. went bust. Next minute, two thousand six hundred dollars. And you, yeah, because it also has to be you know up to standard as well. So you're paying for the new tech and pay, paying for all the extra insulation, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, we bought a house once, and um, the owners had a regular standing arrangement with a roofing company to come and clean the roof and and we just went yep let's just keep doing that and i'm so glad yeah someone was a couple of people do ask though um why didn't you secure your trampoline down with tent pins well no that's what he was going to do i mean literally Uh, we had been in the house three days three days in the new house yeah. yeah yeah so that's what he was going in he was going in to do that we thought it was in a quite a sheltered little courtyard but it did not turn out to be so 26 past four you're on the panel rnz national nice to be with you we have Catherine robertson and phil taylor with me today now if you have dreadlocks you won't be welcome at gisborne boys high school school principal tom cairns announced on the school's facebook page in the weekend that the school was quote unquote currently running a blitz on uniform and hair standards there is a correlation between uniform and the culture and environment of our school. We have always been clear about the expectations for uniform and hair. We tried to put the word out to Tom to come on the program uh, yesterday, but uh, uh, declined that. But I wanted to talk about this, actually. Getting this out of the way, Catherine, have you ever had dreadlocks? (laughs) No, no, I've never had enough hair to have anything like that. I did have a perm once when I was 15 and regretted it instantly, but no, no dreads. And on this topic? And on this topic, I, well, look, I'm, I dislike uniforms. I dislike that forcing of school students into, you know, sort of this, 
homogenous sort of, you know, and sort of look, etc. And it's sort of what we're talking about with education. It's sort of like dehumanizing them. I feel. I mean, I'm sort isn't of it, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it creating a spirit? It's creating a culture. It's creating a a, a, a college. Fa- it's creating a school family. That's what a uniform. I, that's what yeah, standards. Yeah. Well, do. I mean, that, that's the argument. But I mean, I went to a school with a uniform, and everybody did their level best to break the rules about it as much as they could and push it um, because we needed some way to sort of say, you know, show our individuality. Never me, of course. I was a culpable, you know, follower. Oh, that's, but, that's, that's um, always going to be the case. Uh, it's always right? going to be the case. I mean, I, I, I wore a belt that was too big at Nelson College. Uh, I wore one sock that was done. How can you wear a belt that's too big? You've uh, been too there were, white. There were very strict, too, yeah, the, the, there were very strict rules for belt width. <laughs> Uh, and I tried to wear a bit of a rock and roll, you know, Doobie Brothers belt. Uh, wouldn't have it. Okay, so you're you're all for um, relaxing the rules, Phil. Uh, yes. What about you? Yeah, we we used to wear our ties back the front so that we had the skinny side <laughs> out and the fat side in. But um, the uh, I, I'm actually all for expression for the kids here. I mean, I think as as uh, Community as a as a country, we've we've got a lot more tolerant and a lot more accepting, and actually a lot more celebratory around our difference. And uh, and definitely, you know, your haircut is is, is the most personal way of expression. And uh, I'm all for um, diversity and in, in haircuts in a in a school environment. I'd love to see the science around a better education um, and uh, strict haircut styles. Point taken. Yeah. There won't Point. be any, and I mean, dreadlocks are an investment. I mean, they're, they're, you know, it's not something you decide to do overnight. Dreadlocks is an investment and you're really, you know, it's like having a tattoo. It's not something that can be easily got rid of. And I just think, you know, these poor students who are forced to be able to sort of, what are they going to do, shave their head? I mean, that's could just I, traumatic. Could I put it to you, though, that you could get a tattoo or dreadlocks um, once you leave school, Phil? Uh, once you go to university, um, the school clearly has rules, they have codes, they've got their own boundaries. If you want to go to that school, then uh, you can see the codes on their website or on their instruction books or their manuals. Yeah, I guess I'm not convinced that there is a point to the rules. And if there's no point to the rules, I, I personally would struggle to to comply and... Um, you know, there's there's lots of cultural reasons for sure. haircut styles. Sure. There's a lot. Yeah. Needless to say, quite a response to this. Uh, here, it's not about better grades. It's about uh, safety. Uh, loving your thoughts uh, this afternoon. Keep that coming. We And what, what do you think about this? Uh, are you on the side of Gisborne Boys High regarding dreadlocks, uh, not, not having it? Or do you agree with both Catherine and Phil? It's about freedom of expression in this day and age.